Hey everybody, welcome to episode six of Beers, Bourbon, Business, and Broskies. That was a good one. That was bad. <laughs> so on this episode, Kenny and I are going to delve into culture and what I try to instill in a company, Kenny looks for in a company in culture, right? Yeah, we're gonna cover it all. So we tried to incorporate some local breweries into our conversations and I wouldn't say this this brewery is necessarily local. It's Hershey PA, it's Trogues, which yeah, is I mean, relatively much close. You know, yeah. local. All right, so I guess we can say that we're going to try to incorporate all PA breweries into yeah, our podcast. There's only so many, you know, Pittsburgh places you can hit up. Eventually, we'll run out. I would agree. Yeah, so Trogues is, and they have a, they have a good repertoire of beers. Yeah, Trogues so is banging. is real good. They have a lot of good beers. So, which speaking of, Kenny's drinking the Perpetual IPA, which is 7.5% alcohol along with... It's an 85 IBU. So let's roll out. We need to insert a drum roll right here. What is the rating on the Trogues Perpetual? The Ken Taste Bud Scale? The Ken Taste Bud Scale. What is the Perpetual IPA? Mm, you always have warm beer, number one. First off, is that your first one tonight? Is this a trick question? Before I came here? <laughs> Before you, you arrived in my apartment. Way, no. No, all right, but this is the first one you had at my apartment. That's been sitting there for no. a solid hour. It's my second one. No, it's your first one. No, it's not. Is it? Bro. Is it full? Look in your garbage can. Oh, just all right. pour that. <laughs> okay. That beer's cold. Do I need to turn the fridge on and wait? I like it almost slushing. Really? Almost slushing. I like it frigid. All right, like so for future reference, you need to give me like You've, you've drank at my house a million times. Do I give you a room temperature beer? I also don't bitch about free beer. You, on the other hand, you're like, mm, I don't know, I'm super particular. Yeah, I expect you to return the favor when I give you quality shit. You give me quality Michelob Ultra and... In any IPA you can think of. Not particularly. It's not my fault. Dude, there's like seven in my fridge right now. Yeah, and you get ones that are like, even off the IBU scale, like 120. And it tastes like you're drinking vinegar almost. Because it has 17% alcohol. And there's a couple that have touched like 10 and 11. And you're like... You have like one of those and you're on your ass. All right, so what's the seven and a half? Or what's the perpetual IPA? Well, it's seven and a half alcohol. It's seven and a half alcohol, you yeah. just tried saying. Um, God, I thought it was colder. It would just be a little bit better, but. Okay, based off of the current temperature scale. Temperature scale is like a, a is it, Isn't it a big thing? The actual taste of the beer. Go ahead. Probably, probably like a 7.734. 7.734. Somewhere in there. Wow. All right. Now, what happens if it was a little bit colder? Would it eclipse the 8? It might get a 7.8. Eight? Eight. It might get a 7.8. It, it, might, it might get close to 7.8. So eight. we are at what? A 7.734 originally? Is that what we said? Yeah. And you're saying so it's only going to get 0.06% percent increase with coldness? Yeah. So coldness isn't that much of a scale. Um, seven point eight is huge. That's it really? more than half. Yeah, dude. That's okay. More than half a All point. right. How about this? Just so we can get a barometer of where your actually scale is, what's your highest rated IPA, or what's your highest rated beer? What what Ooh. beer or Ooh. what uh, rate? 
What beer? What beer do you what drink that you would rate? Beer? Yes. What's your favorite beer? I'm a, right now, I'm kind of on that Southern Tier Two uh, X. Well, yeah, Two X. I love. How many we? How many of those did we drink last night? <laughs> Dude, way too many. Way um, too many. Along like that lot. That what's that? What's that one? That's the first time I ever had it. That live session. Is that what it's called? Oh so yeah, 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 yeah. That southern, yeah, the yeah, live I session really one. Like that, and it's not even that high in alcohol. I think it's like six percent. I didn't think it's that high. I mean, the southern tier live session was pretty. That was the one. Was that the one of the purple can we had in the um, variety pack? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that one's yeah. pretty good. I like that one. I got it in bottles. Oh, did you? You picked up an entire case of it? No, I got. Uh, yeah, actually, I did. I got a full case of that and a full case of two X. It's only five point five. So wow, you're going against everything that you've built up your reputation on the um, last couple of episodes. Where that's just a killer beer. I mean, it's really good. It's a really good beer. Do you like it better than all right? So it's a low alcohol beer that's pretty easy drinking. Do you like that better than the all day IPA? Because I know you and I have. I think we uh, we should have bought like, stock and founders because the amount of that we drank. I feel like I liked the live session more because I just like kind of outdid all like for literally for a year we drank all day. Remember, so Kenny and I were living up in the North Hills. He lived what, what a three minute walk from me? Yeah, and there was a beer distributor right down the street that we used to frequent all the time, and they had fifteen packs of all day IPA. And I'm pretty sure the only reason they kept them in stock was because we would go in there Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and each day just go in there and grab. Is it like twenty bucks for a case for a fifteen pack? Yeah, yeah, it was was. cheaper enough. Yeah, no, it wasn't bad at all, and they were only like four point three. But yeah, that's what kind of sucks. Yeah, but the thing was, we I remember we would mix it up where we'd get like a case of those and then a case of almost like a uh, variety pack and kind of mix it up, give you a little bit of variety on the whole thing. So Kenny's drinking the Southern Tier Perpetual IPA. It's I, a pretty decent beer. I'd recommend trying it at least. I'm drinking. Also, does, doesn't Trogs make Mad Elf? Dude, they do. That thing comes out, it's like 11%. What, did you see that thing I sent you? Yeah. Shout out to Mindful Brewery, who we brought up. Was that episode two? Episode two is like one of the two. And we talked about Mindful, but they had a Christmas in July thing where they're going to put Mad Elf on top. Mad Elf is like, I think it's 11% alcohol. Dude. Literally. How about this? How about we Google it and I'll come up with the answer for this? I'm pretty positive it's like 11%. Dude, that stuff's dangerous. They should call itself Angry Elf because you drink that stuff and you're not like, Matt, yeah, it's 11% alcohol, which is All right, ready? 11% alcohol, but it's only a 15 IBU. It means you can, like, chug those things, and you're hammered. Hammered? Yeah. I mean, even the one you're drinking right now, which you're saying is a great beer, is only Mm 7.5. You're putting another, what is that, 3.5% alcohol on top of the same 12-ounce capacity? That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, you drink those things, and... It's not bad. You get drunk um, really quick. So I'm drinking the same thing, Trogs, but no, same brewery, Trogs, but I'm drinking the Field Study IPA, which is only 6.2. Tra- you guys notice a trend? He usually drinks the uh, the weaker beers. Let's be honest. Who has a higher tolerance for alcohol between the two of us? It's probably true. I've accepted that you're not going to let me drink less beer than you. Mm-hmm. So I just determined that I'm going to go, why don't, also true. why don't I drink a lower percentage alcohol so you and I can go beer to beer, but I don't have to try to consume as many alcohol percentages. That's a good strategy. What about the bourbon? The bourbon? All right. So first off, I'm going to go to the field study. I really like that. It's for an IPA. I couldn't find the IBU anywhere online. I could probably do a little bit more research, but in my brief. Oh, you're on the IPA you're drinking. Yeah. Googling. I couldn't really find anything. 
it's really good. Like that's, it's really good. It's, it's smooth. It's got a little hint of sweetness to it. You know what I mean? A lot of those, like, yep, yeah, they have the high IBUs that are a little bit bitter, a lot of the IPAs. That's really good. I really like it. So while we're drinking seven and a half and 6.2% alcohol, we decided to, hey, let's um, add some bourbon to it. Some Buffalo Trace. Buffalo Trace, which... Which for the price is a pretty good bourbon. Yeah, I definitely think... I think you can get it for under $30. I think that's what it was whenever I picked it up. It was like $24.99. I could be mis- misspeaking, but it's... I love it. It's always been my go-to, not a high-end, but just a good bourbon that's... I wouldn't say cheap, because I feel like cheap cheapens the brand. I was like saying yeah. affordable. Because it yeah. makes it seem like it's more, you know, I mean, dictated off a of price. It's good. It's good. Yeah. And it's 90 proof. So I really like it. I've been drinking this stuff since I've been, I'm going to say air quotes, 21. <laughs> but no, it's really good. Um, it has a little bit of a variation opposed to the one we drank last week, which was the Wiggle Whiskey. Uh, this mash is made up of corn, rye, and barley. And the one we drank last week was corn, wheat, and barley. So it's got a little bit more of a bite. Yeah, it's not as sweet, which we talked about last week where, or last episode, that the wheat in lieu of the rye in that mash kind of changes the entire taste complexion Mm -hmm. of it and makes it, the wheat makes it a little bit sweeter. But I was Googling this, just doing a little research on it, and I found out that the Buffalo Trace Distillery, which is in Kentucky, is the oldest continually operated distillery even in America. Dude, you know they do a... uh... In like Napa Valley, they do wine tours. In Kentucky, they do bourbon tours. They do. I feel like you'd be trashed at the end of it. I would do that though. If you still, did we talk about this last week about the Jim Beam um, barrel house burning down? I don't know. You didn't see that? No. So the Jim Beam. Actually, yeah, our uh, our buddy sent it to us. Yeah, the Jim Beam barrel house. I think Ondek sent me that. Oh. Shout out to Ondek who left us a review on our iTunes podcast and yeah, very appreciative of it. But I think, I'm Googling it right now just because I don't want to speak out of turn. Yeah, it was caused by lightning. So they lost Shit. like, I think it was like 45,000. Yeah, 45,000 barrels of bourbon they That's lost due to this hard. thing burned down. And you know what the greatest thing is? There's the river that the barrel house oh, yeah, yeah. sits definitely on. definitely sent me this. Yeah, yeah, I saw this. And the fact that they were all the fish were dying probably, in the river because yeah, they were hammered, yeah. hammered because there was so much alcohol that seeped out of the barrel house and ran into the river. I mean, I guess we're going to go out. It's a way to go out. Yeah, I mean, if you're a fish, you're like, I got drunk and I'm dying. Okay. It's, it's a lot better than getting a hook in your lip and somebody dragging you around on a uh, chain or something like that after, you know what I mean, they catch you and dragging you through the water, so. That's what I was doing in Montana, but I did let him go. Dude, we speaking of, how was Montana? We never even hit on that last episode. Dude, it was so sick. It was uh, Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, and uh, we fit, we flew into Wyoming, fished Idaho, which was ridiculous. Fished Montana, which was ridiculous. Uh the, river, the one river in, Mon- in Idaho was probably the most beautiful river I've ever been on. And then Montana, we got into some really nice... Uh, was Montana the one you saw, in the, or you saw the bear tracks? Uh, we saw lion tracks. But, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the mountain yeah, lion tracks. Yeah, that was Montana, and I pooped a little bit. <laughs> I don't blame so, you. Yeah, it was horrible. Over a dead elk carcass? Yeah. I th- well, I'm assuming it was elk. It was just bones. But it was big bones, so I'm assuming elk, maybe moose. I don't know. It was definitely bigger than whitetail. Um, but yeah, that was I pooped a little bit. Other than that, though, you enjoyed Montana? Idaho, you know what I mean, that whole... Yeah, it was awesome, man. We're going to do it again next year. 
Yeah, which, we already signed up. We're doing it again next year. Yeah, and Kenny talked to me, and I don't currently fly fish, but after the pictures he sent me and the description, or the picture he painted of how much fun it was, oh, I think I'm going to go out to a local fly shop and try Dude, to we, uh, play, pick up a fly rod. Not, not, I hope you do, but not to cut you off. We, uh, <laughs> the first day, our guy, our guy pulls up with a cooler, and he's like, so I have, like, sandwiches, water, <laughs> and soda. Like, what do you guys drink? And we're like, take all that shit out. <laughs> Besides the sandwiches, and we just dumped a case of uh, beer in it. He's like, a whole case. He's like, well, I guess you can never be too prepared. <laughs> By the end of the day, it was just like eight hours, the whole case is gone. What were you drinking while you were out there? Uh, we just drank Miller Lite, so we were drinking all day and fishing. <laughs> so you were like, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, so to, like, we want to drink like IPAs. We wanted to catch fish. But the, yeah, the first, he picked us up and dropped us off, so we didn't have to go anywhere. He picked us up right at the uh, lodge. So we, uh, yeah, then he rode the whole time. Like we just sat on the boat. The first two days we sat on the boat and fished with him. And the last three days we were on our own hiking and, and walking up a stream. But on the boat we were like, fuck it. Might as well drink. So between my cousin and I, we, each day we killed a case of beer. Well, first off, your cousin drinks like a fish. Like that kid, I'm pretty sure his entire bloodstream is made up of yin <laughs> <laughs> That might be true. I remember going to his house for the first time, and he has, his basement's kick-ass. He has a urinal in his basement, which... Very cool. Y- you go to, the, like, a restaurant, and you use a urinal. It's not that cool. No, not that cool. Basement. You go in somebody's basement, and they have a urinal. It's very cool. Completely different scenario. Very cool. But I walk in there, and he has a fridge, and he just has two taps hanging off the front of the fridge. And he's like, yeah, I got two kegs of beer in there ready to go yeah, at all his times. His basement's the shit. I'm like... Shuffleboard table. Yeah, that's, that's where you got the idea for uh, yours. Is this the same length as yours? No, it's longer. I was going to say, yeah, because that thing's crazy big. Mm-hmm. This is regulation. This is like, it's like 21 feet. Whatever regulation is, mine's 16 feet. Yeah, it's But he, bu- he built them both. Yeah, he did. It's yeah. impressive. Uh, but yeah, I remember going over there. And he's like, yeah, I got two kegs to go at all times. I'm like. Yeah, he does not fuck around. you got to drink a lot of beer to be like, I don't buy beer by the case. I buy it by the keg. He does not fuck around. He is a prepared man. Yeah, so having to go out to Montana, he and you're like, sick. yeah, he's like, yeah, we're putting the entire cooler beer in this And thing. we have to drive. Like, like I said, dude picked us up and dropped us off, which is awesome. Well, that's good. Yeah, like I, like we talked about in the episode, introducing you going to Montana and everything. Dude. It's gorgeous out there. It's the most beautiful Even country Even if you don't fish, like, I just recommend going out there just to see it. Oh, yeah, it's... It's an entirely. It's just. It's a different world. Like, it, it doesn't entirely even feel like the feels, same country. It doesn't even feel like you're in the U.S. You, yeah, it's crazy. A different planet. Anything. And like everything's untouched. Like there's like when you fish the streams, there's not like garbage. Like you don't even see like people footprints. Yeah, didn't you say you went like how many miles or hours or something like down the river and you didn't even see a we saw, single person? We went Twelve miles down the river. The one day we didn't see a single person, and then we fished Henry's Fork. The second day, we saw some people, but. Uh, yeah, the first day we didn't see anybody. When we hiked by ourselves, I think in three days we saw like one, maybe two people. That's crazy. Where we fished. It was, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I would, I loved, like I said, the one time I was out there like 13, 14 years old, I loved it. And I wish I could go back. So you going out there to go fly fishing Dude, next year is kind of a Start fishing, we'll go. Uh, I am. We're going to get you know what, even year. if I don't catch a single fish, I would just uh, go out there just to go sit on so the boat, gorgeous. drink beer, and cast a rod for, you know, eight hours a day. So, along with the, so it's a Saturday night. Yes. Kenny and I have both had long weeks, which would be a vast, Dude. vast, vast understatement. I would say life came in bunches this week. Um, but 
We had a book a new product right now. Oh my god, say busy is an understatement. Yeah, and we talked about what the last episode was interviews for me, and I had eight interviews on Friday. Yeah, that sounds brutal. Which I was sitting and there were two other gentlemen. We were both conducting the interviews, and they were younger guys, 22, 23, and they were helping with the interviews because I liked their perspective, which will get into the culture and what we're trying, what I'm trying to build in mine, but. We got to like the fifth and sixth, and I'm like, I feel bad. You know, I feel like I just, I couldn't ask the questions I wanted to and everything like that. I go, don't take it personally. It's nothing against that guy. There's just so many times you can run through an interview and actually be genuinely interested with somebody and try to turn a question or a phrase or anything like that where you're like, all right, let me try to delve into who you are. Absolutely. It's a very difficult thing. So we had them from basically a range from eight o'clock to two o'clock on Friday. And I get done with the last one at 2.30, and I grab my bag, walked out of the office, and everybody's like, where are you going? I'm like, I get a tea time at 3.30, and I'm getting the hell out of here, because that was excruciating to me. <laughs> so, yeah, we had a crazy week. So, along with the beer we're drinking, the Trogues, and the Buffalo Trace bourbon, we had a little swig of a vodka called Trust Me Vodka. And how I got turned on to this was my uncle, who works with me, kind of brought in a couple bottles of it and is like hey you know you should really give this a try dude i will say for vodka which i hate vodka now because of uh vladimir vodka altered college i hate it i don't need to get is that vodka like it's it's, rubbing alcohol it really is it needs to be like its own little just branch of alcohol alcohol. it's disgusting Um, this stuff's pretty good it's pretty smooth yeah and they have two different kinds one of them's a wheat one this one was a potato one and i have to say the potato one is yeah, him and I both put a mixer mixer together with some ice, threw it together, let it sit for a little bit, poured it into rocks last, and we'll go take a swig yeah. of it. And I'll have to say, it was really good. It was super smooth. Yeah, for being straight vodka, it was pretty smooth. And I, like I said, I just do not like vodka anymore. All right, so we spent a fair amount of time talking about the alcohol we're drinking along with some shit we've been doing lately. So why don't we delve into culture yeah, and a little bit of the, the business topics that we want to so, go. Tell me a little bit about um, what kind of culture you're trying to build and probably dive into a little bit how you accomplish that. Okay. On my end, yeah, I definitely have a different perspective because I'm trying to implement the culture. You're trying to... I'm the one actually building it. Yeah. And I'm the one trying to live through it. (laughs) Right, which is difficult. And like these interviews I was doing on Friday, it's amazing that how many people value culture over pay Mm-hmm. and other things like that. That's like their number one priority Dude, right now. Dude, if you culture. think about it, fuck, like works, what percentage do you think work makes up of your, your week? Well, like it's crazy. Not 80% even, of your week's work? More, yeah, I would say easy. Yeah, because even if you are, let's say you work it's eight to five work. and you have a lunch and you are nine hours a week and 24, so you're looking at basically a third of it. But how much of that also, you're waking up in the morning getting ready for work. You're driving home from work afterwards. You're talking about work. You're yeah. dealing with everything like that. And everybody just associates themselves with their job or the career they have. Absolutely. It's like the first thing, like, you What do you set, do? You go, like, yeah, if I go on a date, the first thing I do is go, what do you do? Yeah. What's your job? So your job and your career is kind of defined you. And going through these interviews, it was amazing that people were like, yeah, I'm not at this previous company because I didn't like the culture. Or I didn't like my boss. Or I didn't like how things were run. And I couldn't deal with it anymore. And it wasn't anything to do with... I didn't like my job. I didn't like the pay I was getting. It was, I didn't like... Your everyday existence. Yeah, yeah. which is crazy. Well, so It's lucky enough for us, which um, we both really enjoy what we do. Like, I love what I do. All the people that 
live for the weekends. That sucks, man. Because oh man, you figure there, and there goes that Southside <laughs> train. So you can tell you where figure, my apartment uh, opposed to uh, Kenny's on this one. Yeah, where was I going with that? No, what you were going to say is that people that work for the weekend opposed to yeah, living it. And whenever like let your job your job makes up with so much of your life. And yeah, so how you're li- you're working Monday through Friday, you have all these hours you're putting in for yeah. something you hate so you can make money so you can live your life. I hate I'm going to go on a tangent right now cuz this you hit such a sweet spot with me. I hate people that are like, you know what I mean? I I do my job so I can live my life. I feel yeah, like your job should you can't hate, I mean, you can't hate these people. That's probably the majority of people. And it sucks. And it's a very, and you, you and I are both very fortunate that we don't have to deal with that. But could you imagine that you have to work Monday through Friday so on Saturday and Sunday you can live your life? No, it's like two days a week. That'd be miserable. And then dreading, I love the fact on that. Sunday, dreading Monday all day. So really all you have is Friday evening and Saturday all day. Which Friday Sunday. you've worked all day and you're like, I hate my yeah. life. So then you have Saturday. You have one day a week where, where you, you generally get to be you and enjoy what you want to do. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, one out of seven days a week. That's what, 50 days a year? Yeah, that's horrible. That's miserable. But It's miserable, but no, I, I hate people to do You get responsibilities and people get stuck in that rat race, man. They do, and then they also get into holes that they can't dig themselves out of because they start getting bills. They start having responsibilities, like yeah. you said, and they're just like, just I can't leave because what I want to do that makes me happy doesn't give me enough money, so I have to stay nope. here. But. Which is kind of why we, uh, I mean, like we said, we do like what we do, but we started the podcast on the side just to have, just to have fun, really. Yeah, because Learn we, a little bit and have fun. We like our job, and Kenny and I were actually having this conversation before this whole, we even started recording this podcast, where I can tell that I became more intelligent and well-spoken just by starting this podcast, and you and I riffing back and forth. Yeah, and you definitely, like, think about how you sound saying things. Yeah. More than you did before, at least for me, more than I did before the podcast. How many times have you heard your voice recorded before we started doing this? Never. And I'm <laughs> so, like, so now like I hear my voice, I'm like, I bet you that sounded stupid when I said it. But um, I do the same thing. I'll be sitting there talking to somebody. Yeah, I like it. And I'll say something like, shit, I shouldn't have said that. Why the fuck would I say that? That's such a bad... If I would have said that on the podcast, I would have been pissed myself and it would have been something I would have edited out. Yeah. Why do I... I don't want to... I shouldn't... I don't want to edit... You can't edit your real life. Yeah, but it's good to like... Uh, to have those reflections after the conversation and think yep. about it and not do it the next time. Yeah, as long as you're that's growing good. and realizing your mistakes, yeah, that's, that's good. Do. All right, so the culture. So the culture I'm trying to build, and it's kind of cliche, is the work hard, play hard thing. There's nobody, you have to realize that we're all humans. And you can't do what you want to do and really focus and bust your ass for 50 hours a week. It's just it's, you can't expect that from somebody. You can't keep up that pace forever. You can. You'll burn out. And we're trying to build. I don't look at everybody that works for me as employees, their peers. And you don't want to treat them like that where, hey, you walk into this office, you got to bust your ass for eight hours, and then you go home and then do it all over again tomorrow. I mean, there's times where you have to work really, really hard. But there's also times you can fuck off. And I don't want people to feel bad when they fuck off. So that's kind of the culture I'm trying to build is if you get your, your work done, you invest a lot of time in getting everything done right efficiently. You can go enjoy yourself. If it's cutting out at work early, I know there's a couple of times where we've had in the back of our office giant Jenga and cornhole on Fridays. You kind of need that to just break up the mundane tasks of the day, right? Oh, you totally. And you know, it's funny too when you do stuff like that, people kind of bitch and they moan and everything. And 
They kind of like it though. They, they no, no, I'm just saying is that they're bitching and moaning about their job, but then they do stuff like that, and you're like, it could be a lot worse. Yeah. So I feel like I'm a totally a big proponent of you got to work hard, but you got to play well, hard I too. I think it goes back to uh, like the culture. You also invest in people, like, as you said. I mean, I don't work for you, but going off of what you said. And you've met a couple of people that I've worked with, and I would say that what I try to implement is actually my real, it's not just what I say on my podcast, it's actually. It's great that helps build the culture. Yeah, so that's why I try, like the work hard, play hard, and then, like you and I, I like going to my job, but I'm also at the top, I wouldn't, I can't even say top of the mountain, because people always think being upper level management, all this stuff is, okay, you get to the top, you sit on the desk, and it's easy, and you tell everybody else what to do. It's amazing that all of a sudden, you're at the bottom, and shit, excuse me, runs downhill, and you gotta carry everybody else's mistakes. Mm-hmm. So, I enjoy my job, I love it, it's great. But I want everybody else in my company to enjoy their work. I don't want them to dread coming into the office. I want it to be a fun work environment. I want them to feel like they're in dire, their ideas aren't limited and inhibited. You know what I mean? They're kind of, we are doing interviews and this one guy's like, I was working at a company and I had a good, a lot of good ideas, but I felt like all of my ideas were stifled. So we had one of the other guys was in my office that we hired recently and he looked at him immediately and was like, I can assure you that when you come to this company, you don't have to worry about your ideas being stifled. Yeah, which is great because most companies are not that way. Yeah, and he's like, everybody, it's, I said, it's like a giant think tank here. We take everybody's idea, we put it together, and we try to determine what the best route is going forward. Which is a plus for a family-owned business because once you start getting to like bigger corporations, I mean, that's just not the case because you have 400 employees with ideas, right? Oh, and um, you definitely can't. Now, so that, uh, I mean, yeah, obviously you can't listen to everybody at yours either, but. We have like, let's for instance, I have 14 people in our sure. office managing 150 yeah. out in the field. And I can't go and pull everybody about a decision I'm going to make and go, hey, I need 14's opinion, 14 opinions. Well, I'm sure they thing. feel good when they give you that opinion. Oh, totally. It's part of the process. And it's not even I do it because I'm trying to make them feel good. It's because you, you hire talent. And when you hire talent, you let that talent shine. So if they're very talented, talented, intelligent people, why wouldn't you value their opinion? Because like we talked about in the last episode, I know I'm not the smartest person that works in that company, but I can hire people that are the smartest person and they can help me with different decisions and everything like that. And it makes you smarter too, surrounding yourself with smart people. Oh, it is. Because then you learn things that you would have never ever thought of because they have different perspectives, different views that make you a more well-rounded leader and manager. Mm -hmm. So. That's kind of the culture I'm trying to develop is I don't like to stifle ideas. I really don't. And it's amazing just doing these interviews and telling people that that how many companies actually do do that. Zero. Dude, it's crazy because I feel like zero. You know how many people don't want to put their egos aside? And they ninety nine point nine percent of people. Which is another thing. Well, look at my industry. You think in sales, most people you're dealing with are like type A. Yeah. You know, giant egos. And I don't, you ha- I mean, I can definitely have an ego too, but you would think they'd be better at putting it aside because when you're like, when you're meeting with a buyer, you can't let your ego dictate the conversation, right? Like you, you would think salespeople would be better at not blow, not, uh, not, blow, not, uh, not, what's the word I'm looking for? 
uh, gloating. Is that the word? Gloating about them being better than everybody else? Yes. Okay. That's the word I'm looking for. So you think they'd be better at not gloating and you know always pushing themselves out first because when you're sitting with that buyer, I would assume if you're gloating and talking about yourself the whole time, you're not going to sell as much as you should. No. Which goes back to even the one was the episode four where we talked about brevity. Yeah. Where it's like, shut up, pose the question and kind of but listen. You get into like management and execs for, for big corporations. I don't care what the corporation is. Most of them enjoy puffing out their chest oh, dude, and which shove their ego down their throat. Is obnoxious. And I don't. That's like 90%. Of I don't know how people do that. I, I get it because, like we talked about, that most people don't enjoy their jobs because that's the culture they have to deal with. The more and more I talk about it, the more and more I think about it, the more I realize how lucky I am that I'm in the position I am and yeah. the culture that I'm trying to build, which I think is a beneficial one and it's a good one for a company to have, I can actually actually implement. And I get to be part of it, opposed to That's having to nice. sit back and deal with somebody else's ego and them putting together this culture that is just detrimental to every one of the employees that's part of it. Yeah, I had a, I've talked about it before. I had a, the VP I started with, he was very much, this is a performance-based job, so like, either perform or get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. But if you weren't performing, there was coaching that would come before get the fuck out. You know, like most people in management, I mean, this obviously isn't everybody, but most people in management, if their team's not hitting it, they'll just throw somebody under the bus. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not hitting this because of Adam's not pulling his weight. They won't hold themselves accountable. Hold, yeah, exactly. So it's not... What can I do to teach you? It's not what can I do to help you get better. It's let me just throw you under the bus, and then that cr- creates a culture where you fucking hate your boss. But see, that's what the word. And I'm going to tell you the next thing I'm trying to grow on my culture thing is the difference between a leader and a boss. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, think we touched on that before. Is uh, they're much very different. Yeah, and that's what I've tried to. Yeah, don't cut me off, bitch. Oh, easy. I don't even remember the thought I was. Fucking you were talking about how bosses would tell you that you know if you're doing a poor job. Yeah, I don't remember, but I mean, if you have a boss, I was that, just uh, trying to segue into this whole thing because yeah, we're gonna have an entire like. But I think it's very important, and we yeah, and then you need to stay on that for a second. It's very important that if you've ever worked for somebody that doesn't throw you under the bus, and they're very much I need to develop you. Mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to have uh, I mean, that VP aside. I was luck- very lucky to have an immediate boss who wanted to develop me. And like he still does today, and I think that is yeah you can't pay for that invaluable. Like, that's yeah it's the great word I was looking for. Um, <laughs> I, like I said, I had a few beers for I started doing this podcast. Um, that's that's what I was looking for. That's perfect. I mean, you can't you literally can't put a value on it. If you have somebody that is going to invest all that time into you to make you better, like dude, that's creating loyalty. Like that employee. We'll get up every single day and run through a wall for you because you're investing in them, showing them you care, and you're making them better. So that's what I'm trying to implement is I want to be a leader because I don't want to be a boss that goes, you have to do A, B, and C because I'm in charge of you, and you have to listen to me. And if you don't listen to me, there's repercussions. I want people like, I'm going to do A, B, and C. Because they want to. Because they want to, and they respect you, and they'll do it because they would know you would do it for them. I know I had a conversation with which might be a little personal, and he probably listens to this podcast, so he's going to hear this, but I had a conversation with the kid that we hired um, eight months ago that was also sitting on these interviews, and he told me that he's like, you inspired me and how you're a leader and everything like that. You know, he's like, I just... Which is great feedback for you. Yeah, dude, and he said, he's like, you know, you've inspired me and you make me want to be better, which is a great thing to hear because 
being a leader and being a boss, or there's no report card on it. I mean, yeah, you look at your profitability at the end of the year, but you don't have your employees at the end of the year going, giving you a real go, hey, were you a boss or you were a leader? You just have to hope that you're going down the right path and the little bit of feedback you do get from your employees is beneficial and positive. So when he told me that, he's like, you inspire me. You're such a great leader and I love working for you. He didn't even say working for you. He's like, I love working with you. And dude, that that was one of probably the greatest compliments I've ever been. Especially he said with you and not. And because him and I, we've had the conversation where he, I don't look at him as an employee of mine. We're peers. We're two people going for the same goal. I'm Mm -hmm. not sitting, I think we're gonna talk about, have you ever seen that sketch where they have the leaders and the boss and the boss is the one sitting on, and you have the, I mean, the six people pulling, there are the employees and you have the boss sitting up on the, let's say chair or whatever it is that the employees are pulling. And then you have the depiction or the diagram where it's the leader at the front pulling along with the six employees behind him, there's nobody up there. Yeah, which is great. Um, And which I've tried to implement and everything. And hearing that, was very fulfilling and it made me feel really good that all that hard work, dedication, everything I try to implement in the culture that we have is actually paying off. So, I mean, that's kind of the big three things that I think if you can implement those three things, you really have a good culture. You know what I mean? You want to work hard and play hard and there's not a lot of, it's not a constant grind 24 seven. And you want people to enjoy what they're doing when they go to work and enjoy just going to work and then being a leader opposed to a boss. Because when you're yeah, a leader absolutely. of the entire company, it'll change the entire culture. Not just one people, it'll it'll trickle down through the entire thing. When that's how you lead and not being a boss, people will respect you more and you'll get so much more out of people opposed to. Being a boss doesn't really add that much value. It's, uh, it's really the leaders that add value to the company and they, they're always, I mean, Set up with this. So you, you got to be. You gotta, I, th- I feel like you have to be creative, outside thinking, but at the same time, you have to be direct and regimented, and have to have. You have to have some type of outline to what you're in boundaries to what you're trying to accomplish. But you have to be able to think outside the box and uh, kind of be creative, especially with everybody that works for you is going to have a different personality. And you have to be very you have rigid. To keep them all like, I don't know if I like that word rigid. Well, I know what you're saying, but I still don't know if I like that word. But here's what I'm going to say, though. On the same kind of bumper, like when you're bowling, you got the, the bumper yeah. rails. You're trying to keep them all on those rails while they're all bouncing back and forth with different personalities. And you got to figure out creatively kind of how do you make that all work. Which I'm saying is like the rigid thing is that you can't manage everybody the same. Like you almost have to, like we talked about in the first one, you have to be a chameleon and you have to well, be rigid able to. would not be being a chameleon. Rigid, wouldn't rigid be like. Yeah, you're, you're, well, that's what I'm saying, though, is that you can't be rigid when oh, you're... I think you said you have to be rigid. No, 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 I'm um, sorry. I thought I misspoke. Yeah, that's what I said. That, you that, can't be rigid. Way. You have yeah, yeah, to sure. you be able to flexible and to roll with the punches and understand that everybody kind of's personality is a little bit different and how you manage A is different than you can manage B, but you have to try to get the same goal. You're all, Like you said, you're trying to keep everybody on the track. Yeah, and you're just trying to figure out how to keep everybody there with their different personalities and take all the cumulative ideas together that are different and, and make the best possible choice going forward. And you have to figure out what makes people loyal to you. Yeah, is it is it money? Is it uh, looking out for them? Mm-hmm. Is it you know what is it getting to know them? You I know, think it's caring. What is it? 
I mean, don't you think that a company that actually cares about you? Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's empathy for sure. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, I think it's empathy, and I think that manager being just as hardworking as you, or I think almost as a, as a manager, you have to work even harder than your employees. Oh, to get them to because you have uh, to lead by example, and yeah. if you're working, you're putting all the you're hard work. Be empathetic to to what they do because it's a completely different job. I mean, especially like what I do. If you got somebody that is, uh, you know, covering a large territory, and they have, say, they have kids, like you have to be empathetic that they don't get to see that kid Monday mm-hmm. through Friday or their kids or, uh, you know, you got to keep that in mind. When you're so then like your instance where you bust your ass Monday through Friday, yeah, I mean, they understand you Monday through Friday and everything like that and they don't expect you to work the weekends or anything. So you do have a kid and you can take care yeah, of them and everything in, like in that. In my industry, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people work on the weekends. They work like events and shit, which I think is crazy. I've never worked one. And I remember when I first got hired, uh, my boss was like, my boss at the time, he was like, dude, Monday through Friday, like, that's your time to, to make money and work. He goes, working on the weekends and you're going to get asked all the time. He's like, you're not there to work for free. You're not there to sell the product for them. Like, they need to figure it out. What else do they do the other 364 days you're not there? That is that is your time. So, you know, Monday uh, through, even if you do like uh, like Monday through Thursday on the road, cut out, do paperwork all day Friday, or like a lot of guys do paperwork on Monday, and then travel Tuesday through Friday. Uh, you know, those nights that you're at home, turn your phone off. You don't answer after like seven o'clock. You, you at your dinner time and family time. And you also have to decompress, because you, especially you a job like you, decompress. We, I can't even imagine. people all the fucking time. All day, every day. I know mm-hmm. on the weekends, I tried to get in a better habit of actually turning my phone off for a significant portion of the time, because I remember it was about a couple weeks ago, between, it was a Thursday and a Friday, I got 198 work-related emails between the two days. But to get back, like I think a company that treats you as a human and respects you, opposed to just looking at you as Ken Miller, employee number one, two, three, four, mm-hmm. and actually is like, hey, Ken's busting his ass, Ken has other priorities besides this company. And for me to get the best out of him, I have to understand that he needs some him time, and he's a human, and there's only so much work you can put in to yeah, what you're yeah, gonna get out. Which has always shocked me about, um, I mean, this is kind of off topic, kind of on topic. So the, uh, I always heard about Steve Jobs, who's always like an asshole. When you think Apple pushing out as much like great products as they did, the work culture was shit. Like mm-hmm. he would make you grind, he would, he would uh, belittle you. He would treat you like shit. Dude, which we, we got to go into that. so strong that they like, I guess they didn't care. I don't know. We got to, we got to, we'll have one of that So Good They Can't Ignore You book by Cal Newport. But that's the first chapter on it is the Steve Jobs. I did, I'm going to misquote this and I'm going to say the wrong university, but he did a graduation speech for one university. I want to say Cal Stanford, something like that, yeah. about following your dreams. And the guy debunked it going, Steve Jobs was a hippie that went to like some, what I, I'm gonna misquote this, but he was like some yoga, some religious thing or something like that that he wanted to do. And he accidentally ran into this job. I think it was Atari. He got a job on like night shift because it said, get paid while you have fun. You know what I mean? Obviously don't quote any of this. And that's how he got the job. And then he ran into Steve Wozniak, the guy that was the co-founder of Apple and they turned out this whole thing. 
But his entire life, he never wanted to do computers. It wasn't like his passion or anything like that. He just kind of fell into it. But throughout all the years of doing it and doing it well and everything like that, he became passionate became about a it. Freak, yeah. Yeah, but you, it just that was the whole thing about like last week we were talking about the don't get a job, that, don't try to find your passion job. Yeah. Find a job that you like and everything, but then get really good at it, and you will eventually love it. So all right, we're getting way off topic, but all right. So like Ken, like we talked about all this, what I'm trying to implement, and your kind of feedback on that. What culture does your company have currently that's made you stay there for so long? I mean, I really, I really like uh, my customers, which helps. I really like my product, which helps. Uh, I really like my current boss, which helps. And it's it's weird. It started off as a small company, not small, but it started off as a smaller company, and uh, it was like very like f- family feel to it, very family feel. And now we're a, a huge company. I mean, I would say. That Oh, you're, yeah, you're big. massive. You're massive. and uh, Especially in the whole scheme of things about most companies that people are listening to it. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty yeah. big. Um, First off, can I just interject real quick? So I gave you the field study. Him and I switched up some beers. Try that. I just cracked the raspberry tart ale from Trogues. Of course you did. Dude. I'm not drinking that. Dude. Shit. First um, off, you know why? It has additions of raspberries, sea salt, and coriander. It sounds like shit. Um, it tastes delicious. It gross. <laughs> so, I'll get like a two and I haven't even drank it yet. Uh, fuck. Where was I, I drank it with my pinky out. Oh, so we got to a bigger company and uh, it got it definitely got different and a lot of people left because they wanted that family feel. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you just roll with the punches like, uh, and you have uh, a good boss, which are all of our management teams, pretty cool. Good leader know? and good boss. They're a good leader, um, but I feel like they're all, they're all, all of them are, are, are pretty good. Like, there's not one of my dislike. There's not one of my wouldn't get over along with. So I think you just like kind of roll the punches and, and realize what you're getting yourself into, and kind of like it's going to evolve. Like it's not going to stay a small company forever. You know, they're not stagnant, and there's yeah, you know that you're going to try evolve. To yeah, yeah. Everybody's trying to grow. Everybody's trying to to. To get more revenue, get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I mean, it's the American thing, right? Outside of like Patagonia, it's like they don't do shit like that. But outside of that, every company wants to get bigger and better. And I think. But have they rewarded you like for your loyalty and everything like that? Yeah, they've always treated me well, and like I said, everything that works with is cool. Um, so they, they've done a good enough job of keeping it. The managers have done a good enough job keeping it a small gang. And I'm only outside, so I don't feel all the shit that happens in the office. Like, I couldn't even tell you what's going on there. Like, I'm an outside sales. So I feel what my manager does, right? So, like, I feel what he puts out because he's basically my buffer to the office. Like, outside of, like, my um, inside partner, like, I don't really have to talk to anybody in the office. And uh, so I, he's, like, a great buffer. So I think he's done a great job of, of building that culture that is trying to make you better mm-hmm. trying to uh develop you and and continue that and keep you kind of down the right path keep all the bullshit all the noise away from you and i feel like all of those managers do that i mean i know, I know all of them i thought they all do that so i think that that's i mean they reward me that's what kept me on you know obviously i'm in this to make money also and they treat me great and he's always trying to get me better and and he always takes care of me and he's always trying to develop me so that's what it's kind of kept me here for so long or else I would have just left. Which is great, especially, and it's really smart for your leader, boss, manager, however you want to phrase it. 
because your role, you're directly interacting with the customers. So you're you're an ambassador for that company. Absolutely. And the only real interaction they have for the company you work for is you. So if your manager doesn't implement a good plan and you don't buy into that plan, they treat you like shit. Then you're not going to be a good representative of the company. You're going to talk shit, and I, especially on a company that on that scale, you're never going to be able to get to the top of that company. And ever. I know, like, I know salesmen and women who, if something bad happens, they'll just throw the company under the bus. But you wouldn't do Which that because you. You're, but you yeah. wouldn't do that because your manager. That's another thing we talk about later. Like, if you have a good enough relationship with uh, your customer, and they get like buttered about something something the company did. You can put it back on yourself because they're not going to want to talk shit on you because they really like you and you're mm -hmm. sitting in front of them. So, like, if they're pissed about you know something they didn't ship in time, you take accountability for it. Opposed exactly. to throwing the company under the bus, exactly. you take it yourself because you've already developed that relationship. And it's easy and for them to badmouth the company because they've it's never met. It's easy for you to badmouth the company too because you don't want to deal with that bullshit. Yeah. But if you put it back on yourself, which we'll talk about that later, but. Um, but yeah, where was I going with that? Yeah, so if you have a great a great boss and a great manager, he'll instill that in you, a great leader, whatever you want to call him, he'll instill that in you, and and I think that's what keeps you happy. I mean, it's almost your, as long as your company's not completely fucking up, it's almost your, your immediate manager that's going to keep you there for a long time. Outside of that, like, why? Yeah, especially like you said, that you, you're such a big company that... You've There's probably like met no the CEO or the top end people, but you don't interact with them daily. Yeah. So that manager outside, is like, like an ambassador for the entire company that you're interacting with. So that guy has to be really good at his job and also mm -hmm. very on top of like what he's talking about so that he represents the company better so that you buy into like that's actually what the company's goals, morals, and everything else like that is. Yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, you want to elaborate any more about at least culture on your end? It's a different thing because it's, I think, at least on, on my end, I an employee thing about... a big thing as an employee, like, fuck, if you're miserable with the culture, dude, like... All right, I'm going to pose a question to you. You've heard my opinion on culture. Is there anything that you think I try to do and are trying to change that it maybe needs to be tweaked? Uh, I don't mean... I don't know. I don't work for you. It's kind of hard. Yeah, but you, you also... You've known people that work for me. And you've heard what I've... I would say the, the biggest thing I like about culture is working for somebody that works just as hard, if not harder than me. Okay. Harder than me. And somebody that genuinely... Gives, gives a, fuck a fuck about, about you? About, not Dif just you, but, but about your development. Right. Like, if they actually want to make you better, mm -hmm. like, not just saying that. Like, they genuinely try to make you better. They invest in that person. Yeah. I think that's... Because I know there's a lot of people that I've talked to that have bosses that go, I want to make you better. And they don't do But dick. they don't do anything. They go, you should know this by now. You've been here for a year. You should have progressed farther. But they've never put the legwork in or yeah. try to really teach them anything. Or if you have like your quarterly review. So what are your goals? And then you tell them your goals and they just never fucking bring it up to the next quarter. Like, mm -hmm. like if you have a manager and it's like, what are your goals? Well, like, all right, how are we getting there? They have to also hold you accountable like you mm -hmm. told me your goal is to do this okay well what are you doing about it let's talk about it mm -hmm. how are you tracing it mm -hmm. you know how are you actually keeping track of it mm -hmm. like a, in a tangible way like what are you doing every month you know maybe it's okay if you manage 14 people how hard is it to have a call once a month once every two months it's kind of like a check and call mm -hmm. keep it like 15 minutes check and call 
Hey, Adam, you said this was your goal. Tell me what you did this last month to get there and tell me how you're tracking. Oh, well, I did this, this, and that. Well, that's not even tangible. So how are you really tracking it? Oh, obviously, you're not. You know, like, obviously keeping you accountable in a constructive way. Yeah, I would agree with you. And I think a little bit of honesty, too, helps in getting to know the people that you're actually leading. Because you want them to do the best they can, but I think that develops off of having a good relationship where they're going to tell you, hey, these are my weaknesses. This is what I'm not good at. And as a manager or a leader, you have to understand what their weaknesses are and be like, okay, I need to manage you differently because yeah, these absolutely. are what your weakness is and I'm going to put you in the best scenario to succeed. And I can't take you down the same training route as I would somebody else because you learn differently. You're more... And you're going to have people that are better than others. I yeah, mean, it's and it's just what it is. The territory. So, I don't know. That's kind of all I got for this one. You good? Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking pretty good. Um, sorry, I was drinking my beer. Um, <laughs> what is that? The first sip from the field study? Uh, yeah, it's no. a different one. I know. Yeah, I got you field study instead of the. Yeah, but that's actual. not my first sip. I'm like half gone. All right, what do you think of it? I'm half gone. That's pretty good. Yeah, I've had it for like three minutes. It's so. very, it's very good. So yeah, I was wondering why I was going down. It's low, that's lower in alcohol, isn't it? Yeah, but like one percent. I know this. You, you did that was immediately it's already a uh, well, I was wondering why I was going down so fucking quick actually I only got half fun you know what's funny um, I saw something on Facebook it was like it's amazing how you could drink you know what I mean drinking 8 bottles of water a day seems completely unfathomable you but you could drink 12 days. beers and 5 shots in 3 hours and be perfectly okay with it yeah so no but yeah to wrap it up I don't really think I have uh, I don't really think I have too much but I think it was a good conversation about culture in, from both sides of it and I think it's like one of the most important things about working for a company. And like I said before, dude, if you're if you're if you're dreading Mondays and looking for the weekends, God, I bet you can make that same money somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're making like a crazy amount of cash, I bet you can make that money somewhere else. I would right? agree with you. Like, I mean, put the feelers out. Like, what are you scared about? There's um yeah, and it's the thing people are always scared to change, but. It's like, oh, I don't want to put my resume out because they might find out or something like that. If you're miserable at your job and you're not making that much money, okay, go find another job. And obviously, no. your job's probably well, the grass isn't always greener. But like, don't be scared to try it or or just have a conversation. Yeah, exactly. So no, um, that's episode six. I was a little bit on culture. I really liked that one. That was a good one. So i'm good good, you good? drop a line man hop on our uh ig ig on our podcast comments anything drop us some some critiques some topics to talk on and we'll uh we'll yeah we it. greatly appreciate reviews too if you guys go on the podcast app you look at our podcast leave us a review the one of five stars however you feel about it but then also if you guys write a little review about what you thought of it we'd greatly appreciate it along with liking our ig page and our facebook page so I'm Adam Harris. He is the infamous Ken Miller. Infamous Ken Miller. And this is episode six of Beers, Bourbon, Business, and Broskis. And you guys enjoy the rest of your day and or night.